0: Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary, a podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Forrest, and with me is the parsimonious
1: Brent and the paranoid Dylan. Where? Who's calling me paranoid? Who's calling me paranoid? Where? Where's it coming from? (laughs) People are always trying to call me paranoid behind my back. I can just feel it crawling over my
2: skin. You could have went with a pondy-schemed, obsessed Brent and... No, I don't do hyphens.
0: I don't don't do hyphenated words. I don't do compound words. I don't do any of that. You got to wait for Brent's turn at the helm for that crap.
2: That's right. It's coming. All right. And a lot of people. So first
0: off, we have some new patrons, Jacob and Alec Forbes. So thank you two very much. Yes.
2: Very cool. Thank you guys. Thank you so
1: much. Do
0: not forget to buy our beautiful merch at merch.nondarecallordinary.com.
1: And we're not just talking to Jacob and Alec Forbes there. Yes, That's, everybody that, should that go. Do everybody. It. We're not just telling our two new patrons yeah,
0: to do that. Just to be clear, thank you for the disambiguation <laughs> there.
1: I mean, I would love it if they did, but not trying to put an extra obligation on yeah, it's Yeah,
0: it's not just some grift aimed at our new patrons. And speaking of grifts, more Dave Rube episodes will come your way if we reach just uh, 13 more patrons by March 25th. That's so, all it takes. Yeah, yeah, you know you want a new Dave Rube episode, all of you out there, so let's do that.
2: All right, so what is it we're talking about today, Forrest? Uh, well, something you know nothing
0: about, Brent, and that Whoa. is cryptocurrency again.
2: Stop there. Have you
1: learned nothing from when I owned you, noobs? I am
0: Satoshi. Never forget. All right. Yeah, I'm very sorry. I, I
2: keep forgetting that you you are Satoshi. I'm actually possessed by Satoshi.
1: <laughs> Man, who invited Craig Wright onto this podcast? We gotta, <laughs> we gotta keep our security airtight.
0: It's funny that you bring up Craig Wright, Dylan. As you know, we've talked about many thought leaders and their pet cryptocurrencies on the show. People like Craig Wright with his Bitcoin Satoshi's vision, and Roger Ver with a Bitcoin Cash, and that was all in our crypto craziness series. And we talked about a plethora of other beautiful exit scams, pump and dumps, and the infamous pyramid slash Ponzi scheme hybrid Bitconnect.
2: Oh wait, wait, wait! I think isn't it? I think it's pronounced. What's up, 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 up Big
0: Right you are, Brent. Brent is absolutely correct. That is the correct way to refer exact to it. But as fun as Big Connect was, <laughs> all of that was just to warm us up for what may be the most gloriously convoluted crypto scam of all time. And that is thought leader Richard Hart's Hex Token.
1: And I don't know much, but one thing I know is that Richard Hart is... A thought leader. Yeah, I think, I think Forrest is going to demonstrate that with with no reasonable doubt left behind. He is a
0: <laughs> self described cryptocurrency thought leader, and he appeared almost out of nowhere on YouTube during the Bitcoin bull market of 2017. His earliest YouTube videos on his channel have nothing to do with Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, and seem to be self help videos geared towards young men. Some of which border on the uh, Jordan Peterson-esque with a mix of anti-feminist sentiment, clean your room and live a more wholesome life, common sense advice, and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, tough talk for young buckos.
2: Common sense advice like never drink apple cider on a carnivore diet. No, <laughs> or
0: else you won't be able to sleep for weeks. Can't handle it. The earliest known YouTube video that features Richard Hart is not on his crypto channel, but from 2008 in which he identifies himself as one Richard J. Schuler volunteering for Aubrey de Grey's Methuselah Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization focused on human life expansion. Astute listeners of the podcast will recognize the name Aubrey de Grey as the man I was supposed to share the secrets of longevity with after learning them from sentient fungi that came from another dimension. Also, oddly enough, I was supposed to contact Richard Hart himself as part of the plan. And if you want to know more about my fungal infection and psychotic episode, please check out our at the Mushrooms of Madness
2: series. Is Aubrey De Grey one of our patrons yet? I mean, he if should be. Not what, what is he doing with his life? His soon-to-be very long life.
1: Well, I think the problem with being immortal is that you can always say, eh, "I'll do that tomorrow," because you'll always have a tomorrow. That's and true. so you basically do nothing. That's a good point. Also, what's really sad now is I'm just realizing that because you know Richard Hart was mentioned in your kind of fungus-induced psychosis that really the sentient fungi that was infecting you was just an affiliate as part of of Hex. You know, so I mean, that was just, you know, that was just another, you know, part of the scam. I had no idea.
0: So this earlier channel is simply called Richard J. Schuller and has only one short video where he tells people to check out the Methuselah Foundation and Aubrey de Grey's at the time current book Ending Aging. He also says that he will be putting up videos featuring Aubrey de Grey, which apparently didn't happen.
1: and I like I like the, the the benefit of the doubt you're giving that you know it's been 12 years and there's no none of those videos are on there, but apparently it didn't happen. <laughs> I, you know I appreciate that. I'm being very fair. Look, as far as I can see on this channel in which there is literally one video, it didn't happen.
0: The earliest known YouTube video I can find where Schuler identifies himself as Richard Hart, besides in his self-help videos, is one from May of 2017 where he appeared in an interview with a certain Chris DeRose on the Channel Bitcoin Uncensored
2: is that like Bitcoin After Dark? Uh, <laughs> Ooh,
0: maybe, maybe. No, it's just a bunch maybe. of nerds talking about nerd stuff. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, because I do. I feel like Bitcoin <laughs> Uncensored. I mean, Bitcoin it is a public blockchain, so it does seem that it should automatically be uncensored. It shows yeah. what
0: you know about branding. Branding names have nothing to do with the product or service. Don't you understand? <laughs> oh, this? that's but, right.
1: I'm sorry, I forgot. You're not
0: a you're not a <laughs> marketing expert like like Richard Hart. So just shut the fuck up. Become a thought leader later and then we'll talk, okay? Whereas on his own channel, Richard typically sits on a bejeweled throne wearing fancy suits with a gothic candelabrum to his right looking like Bitcoin Dracula. But in this video of Chris DeRose, he's got some kind of psychedelic looking getup and the camera angle is looking down on him at an odd angle. In the interview, Richard, now in his 30s, talks about how he chose to become a businessman to get rich rather than a doctor or a lawyer because the businessmen he knew were idiots and only knew sales, and since they were idiots and didn't have to go through all the necessary schooling and carry all the debt that doctors and lawyers have to, he figured that this was the optimally quick path to wealth. So he learned sales and marketing through seminars and started retailing electronics, where he made bank. Later, he says he got into search engine optimization and opened a mortgage company, where he made even more bank. Finally, he says he got into Bitcoin around 2011 and mined a shitload of them for almost no cost. Richard tells Chris that since becoming so rich so early in life, he's found it's really not all it's cracked up to be because essentially you're the same person as when you were poor, but you've now got a bunch of assets you need to look after and are constantly paranoid about.
1: That sounds better than being poor, actually. mm,
0: As a poor person myself, I agree with that.
1: Yeah. uh, Poverty also includes paranoia. You don't avoid paranoia about assets Mm. merely by not having any. It kind of induces its its own type of paranoia there.
0: And since Richard had already traveled the world and had done it all, so to speak, he apparently didn't have anything better to do with his life. And so for five years, he chose to, quote, destroy my consciousness with video game addiction, especially yeah. StarCraft II. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I had actually destroyed my consciousness fully with StarCraft I back in my middle school days. So I totally get this. So luckily for us, Richard didn't succeed in totally destroying his consciousness, And now he's all about life extension technology and saving humanity from death. He's done everything else. After all, even traveling is boring to Richard quote, the people that really enjoy travel are people that over amplify difference. They're like, Oh, look at the difference between this culture. You know, they say, hello, different. I don't give a fuck. They just say hello. So I'd rather combine behaviors to simple, to simplify and abstract and create a generalized meaning. And I think a lot of people like to look deeper, like, if you look at a painting, they want to look at brushstrokes. I don't give a fuck about brushstrokes. I don't like most paintings. I like to look at the abstraction layer above. So for me, I don't like
2: traveling. If you really want to make Hart angry, invite him to travel with you to an art museum. Just yeah. double whammy. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Triggered. I don't give a fuck about brushstrokes. I like that on, a shirt. <laughs> Put that on a shirt.
1: Yeah, I can also see why he doesn't like traveling because he's so into it, like abstracting. From particular yeah. details, he can't follow a map. <laughs> it's like, look, it's just it, on the <laughs> abstract level. It's just a straight line from one place to the other. Like, where am I? I'm lost. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a problem.
0: So the Rose responds to that with, quote, I like you. You're one of the more interesting people we've had on the show for a while. <laughs> Authenticity is really the most important thing when you're providing important content. If you've got the talent. And I think you do.
2: Are, are you sure this wasn't David Rubin you're watching? Uh, interviewing? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was Dave Rubin. Yeah,
0: no, you're right. <laughs> I like you. You're one of the more interesting people we've had on the show.
1: Yeah, did Richard Hart answer a phone call in the middle of this interview? Oh, That's yes, the real oh test. God is
0: so glorious.
1: That's how you know you're being interviewed by Dave Rubin when he lets you talk on a phone for three for minutes. Three minutes
0: during a live stream. All right. So we've got so we've got a pretty clear picture of Richard Hart. He's a charismatic and intelligent thought leader that has lived a life and now wants to devote his time to saving the human race from certain destruction. Or is he? In a February 28th, 2018 YouTube video with Christy Rose on Bitcoin maximalist and technical analyst Tone Vays channel, Chris tells Tone, quote, the best that I can tell Richard Hart's entry into the space came through my channel and he was referred to me from somebody. I was doing a call in and he just showed up and we had a really great constructive episode. We did a number of interviews over time because we really did have a great repertoire of battling and supporting each other on complicated ideas. Oh, it is Dave Rubin. (laughs) And it it culminated in, I guess, and it culminated in, I guess, after the third episode, the disclosure of his shady past coupled with his announcement of starting an ICO. And at that point, I realized that, wait a minute, he's trying to take my social capital. You may agree with the assessment I have. I don't even care. But he was trying to take that as a position, I think, for leveraging the conversion of his social capital into financial capital thereafter. And I didn't want anything to do with it. I made it very clear that this guy, I think, was wanted or certainly a history where he was a wanted man. And, you know, reputation is very important. And so I made it clear. And from there, he acted strange. Strange. (laughs) (laughs) So a number of points. First of all, Even though he doesn't care, I do agree with DeRose's assessment. This is because Richard has said a number of times on his live streams that sometimes you've got to do, quote, clout chasing to get started on building a social media audience. What is clout chasing? According to Urban Dictionary, a clout chaser is someone who, quote, tries to feed off others' popularity to benefit themselves. Hmm. Secondly, along the same lines, there's a strange mix of dishonesty and obfuscation along with open frankness that are the hallmark of Richard Hart's tactics, which he displays in many forms. My favorite example is from a book he's writing called Survive, short for Survive Through Science, which incidentally he says he'd like to replace all religious texts with.
1: So instead of Gideon's Bible in the hotel, you get Sci-Vive? Yes. That does seem like a good... The Motel 6 seems like an appropriate venue for these ideas.
0: Superficially, Sci-Vive is a convoluted self-help book of sorts, but in Richard Hart's estimation, it is the self-help book, supposedly teaching you foolproof ways to do everything from how to get laid, how to get rich, what to even wear, how to properly perform Google searches, what to eat. So yeah, religious text, I guess. Strangely... <laughs> Strangely enough, he's put the rough manuscript online for everyone to see, and in the notes on the very first page, he writes about how he's manipulating his readership with cold reading in the seventh paragraph, and wants to indirectly create a sense of jealousy in the reader in the sixth paragraph. In post-Parkland, I hear you Trumpian fashion, one of his notes reads, show humanity align values. (laughs) So what is all this talk about being a wanted man that Chris DeRose is referring to? Well, a certain Jonathan Sterling became a fanboy of sorts of Richard's, but then started to question the motivations for his secrecy, especially since at the time he was creating an initial coin offering or ICO. On Telegram, Jonathan publicly asked him why he wouldn't come out with his real name. Richard says, quote, showbiz uses better names, not worse names. I'm in the showbiz. When it's useful, I shall.
1: I, I mean, I have to say, though, like I agree with him on this, but Richard Hart, is not a good name. Dick Hart. Much better name.
0: <laughs> so Jonathan did what everybody that gets to the truth does and did a bit of his own research. Mm, yep. And he found out that Richard Hart was Richard Shuler, that he had a shady past. And so he sent Richard the following message: Quote: Hey dude, I'm gonna write this blog post over the next few days. If when I find time, I'm finishing a project and moving to Bali in the meantime. I'm going to release the full post to you privately beforehand. I sincerely don't want to damage your reputation. Consider this an opportunity to further steel man yourself. I generally like what you're doing and find your content thought provoking and entertaining, even the bits I disagree with. If you see from the post that it might be damaging and there's stuff you want to do ahead of the public release to alleviate that, I'm okay to give you a few days to sort it out. Again, I'm not here to cause harm. I'm here to ask questions that are in the back of the public's mind. If everything gets cleared up, explained, I won't release the post to anyone and I will keep this message and further private discussions we have about it 100% private. You have my word. Sound fair? Richard's private response was, you are my partner now. If and when Gustavo Troncoso or Alfredo Valarino come and fuck with me, I'm going to let you know that you're my dude. Please do give them a Google. We're buddies now. They killed Antonio Henry Marshall. Write these names down. (laughs) Jonathan responds with, okay. I'm going to release this full chat for my own protection. You're now threatening my life. Richard responds with good.
1: (laughs) I like this. I like this method of threatening someone like, look, these guys are, they want to come kill me. And they'll, you know, so obviously they trust what I say. And so (laughs) as soon as I tell these people that want to kill me, that you're my pal, they're just going to believe it and kill you. Like that's. (laughs) I mean, every mafia gangster movie I watch, (laughs) that's exactly how they operate. Uh, So I like the strategy. I think it's going to work for him. And he has to do his own
2: research to find out who these people are. It's nice.
0: Richard Hart ended up doxing himself before Jonathan can do it and posted a link about how he was a notorious spam king from Panama. Sadly, the website is no longer with us. But thanks to the miracle of screenshots, we know what was written there. So we know a few things. One. Richard J. Schuller is indeed his real name, and he has other aliases besides Richard Hart, such as James Hart and J. Richard. Two James Hart, much better than Richard Hart. (laughs) Much better. Well, he's already used it, so
1: Dick Hart. Dick Hart, it's right there.
0: Two, he was responsible for quote, a large number of the junk email that goes out every day. Three, that he was investigated by authorities for theft and extortion. Four He was allegedly associated with a criminal network of corrupt lawyers and judges. In an interview with YouTube crypto personality Ivan on Tech, Ivan asks Richard about the meaning of all this spam king business and Richard downplays it, saying that when he was 18, when he didn't have a quote global consciousness and says he didn't know right from wrong, he spammed maybe only a thousand people as a side gig from his car radio shop in Florida. Unfortunately for him, he claims one of the people he spammed was some anti-spam crusader and blew the whole thing out of proportion. The rest of the controversy, Richard claims, stems from affiliate marketing stuff he did, and it was people signing up for the affiliates program that were doing the spamming God, and not this sounds
1: him. so much like a lie. <laughs> this is <laughs> such a, when you say, hey, you did this thing, and they're like, no, look, what I really did was something much less than that. They still, like, give you a little bit. That's how you know they're lying.
0: All right, well... Again, we're fair and balanced here. So we, we let you draw your own conclusions. And I did a little bit of my own research and I found this beautiful gem from the year 2001 on a forum called Anintech where the user posted excerpts from an email he received because he found it so comical. Quote, Efficient Systems of Donya, Florida proudly sends over 600 million spam emails per day every single day. <laughs> my name is Richard Schuler. I'm a 23-year-old multimillionaire And I'm inviting you to learn how to spam millions of people per day like I do. Why are we so successful? Because simply put, no one can bring us down. And two, because we kick ass with our hacker-proof and anti-spammer-proof sales websites. When you get right down to it, people are like sheep. And if the sheep get enough emails shoved at them, the sheep will become customers. It's that simple. And it's the key to our success and the prosperity of our partners. We teach you how to spam and make a fortune. Please pass this email along to everyone you know. So, gentle listeners, as to whether or not Richard Hart is telling the truth when he says he innocently sent out only a thousand spam emails, draw your own conclusions. Draw
1: your own conclusions. I'm also a little bit concerned that our listeners are not spamming millions of people per day about the podcast. I really think proudly proudly spam. That's what's going to bring us to the next level.
0: I agree. So what the hell is this Hex thing? What is it? Well, I mentioned that Richard Hart was creating an ICO, and you might think that was Hex, but no, that was an earlier project called the CFD token, which is supposed to be a, quote, blockchain-enhanced distributed computational fluid dynamic supercomputing network.
1: Oh, so I think um, think, uh, you actually... I'm sorry, Forrest. I think you made a mistake. That sounds like Neil Breen's next screenplay. (laughs) Yeah, so... You know, I'm sorry, folks. I think uh, I think we're stealing from the fateful findings genius, Neil Breen. On its official
0: website, we're told quote scientists slash engineers submit work to our job server and pay CFD tokens. Miners get jobs from the job server. We verify their results computationally easy and pay them ERC 223 tokens. That's supposed to be ERC 20 Tokens, I guess, but uh whatever.
1: CFD yeah, I was tokens. Wondering about that. I was like, oh, finally a different ERC number, but I guess it's just a mistake.
0: I'm not sure what, what that means. Miners get paid in proportion to their percentage of the total network's power. As token value increases, mining power increases, and cost of computation to scientists and engineer, engineers decreases.
1: So I'm a scientist and I like like here's my paper on whatever, and I have to pay see C- these CFD tokens to like upload my paper and then miners verify the results of my paper. Is that the idea? And then they get tokens for verifying it. Um,
0: a- actually I have no fucking clue what it means at all.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sorry. I, oh, yeah, I didn't hey, realize. I don't, feel I don't think
0: anybody does. I think that's the point. Richard, let's go a little further. Richard Hart has what the main point is and it's quote, Most of mankind's greatest achievements were modeled in a computer before they could be made in the real world. Computer modeling is key to the revolution that will bring mankind into the future we've seen only in
1: science fiction. Okay, so I know. So we've accomplished a lot like post 1950. You know, we've accomplished a lot, but I'm still not sure if most of our greatest achievements only happened after 1950. I'm not sure about that. Uh, you know, so I think he's going to have to do a little bit of work D- to convince me of that.
0: Dylan, you Dylan, you don't even understand the utility of the CFD token. And you're going to say that, you know, more about what was achieved in what century than Richard Hart. Yeah. Oh, okay. We're then listed a bunch of problems that mankind faces having to do with nuclear fusion, traditional power generation, rockets, space travel, aeronautical and nautical ventures, biotech drones, extinction level events, climate change, and other natural disasters.
2: I like how he just, rockets is listed as a problem it's a big problem
0: you want to launch a rocket you've got to solve a lot of problems sir after laying out all these challenges for us we're told quote cfd token solves all these problems (laughs) the world's fastest most accurate powerful yet flexible blockchain enabled computational fluid dynamic supercomputer tokenized for maximum scale Scientists and engineers will benefit from the scale of computing power that cryptocurrencies have shown the world is possible. Enter your email in the form above and get early oh, access to the white paper. This yes. is a great way to start to start an email list. It really <laughs> yeah. is.
1: I like how you solve a problem like so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to also contribute to solving all these problems. I'm going to make a website where you could upload papers about how to solve these problems. And boom, I'm solving all these problems. It's easy. <laughs>
0: Perfect. Sadly for humanity, Richard abandoned the CFD token, but he set his sights higher by dispensing with all that SJW sounding bullshit and just focusing on getting rich as fuck. Exactly. Enter Hex. Originally called Bitcoin Hex, Hex is supposed to be, according to the official website, quote, the first high interest blockchain certificate of deposit. Richard elucidates. Quote, CDs, known as certificates of deposit or time deposits, are worth trillions of dollars. CDs pay higher interest than savings accounts, requiring money be deposited for a fixed time. Banks profit on poor customer service, early withdrawal fees, and auto-renewing you at worse rates. The percentage they pay you in interest doesn't keep up with the percentage price increases. New USDs, US dollars, are printed all the time, making yours less valuable. Hex replaces inefficient currencies, banks, and payment networks with verifiably secure peer-to-peer technology. Hex takes the profit out of the banks and the government money printing and gives it to Hex holders. So my question upon reading that was, how? <laughs> well, it just so happens that Richard has the answer. How? Use a computer science breakthrough to disrupt the largest markets in the world with a product of nearly infinite profit margin. Oh, oh nearly?
2: Oh. Nearly, that's not good enough, Richard. My computer science breakthrough offers product of infinite profit margin. There's no almost infinite in my product. There's no nearly. It's just yeah. We got hex infinite. plus,
1: hex plus. That's really <laughs> that's where it's at. Hex SV, hex cash. I also, if if there's one word that I would ban, it it would be disrupt. I hate it when these tech guys say they're going to disrupt some some sector of the economy because yeah. it never works out. It's always a bad idea.
0: So Hex is an ERC-20 token on the Ethereum network. Even though Richard Hart, in his Bitcoin maximalist days, used to despise Ethereum, since then he's warmed up to it and has slowly started talking more and more trash about Bitcoin.
1: Oh, so that's why he didn't want Bitcoin in the name, because that's even gross. Let's discuss. Uh, also, um, I believe uh, just a, a reminder, a Bitcoin maximalist is someone who is just all about Bitcoin. Yes. And thinks any other crypto is trash, right?
0: Yes, by definition. Okay. Originally, all one needed to do to receive Hex was to prove that you owned Bitcoin through using a signing statement containing your Ethereum address. The plan is, quote, kickstart adoption, give Bitcoiners free Hex, help small guys penalize Bitcoin whales. Early claimers get bonuses, late claimers get penalties, pay bonuses to referrers and those referred, pay the unclaimed coins and interest to those who time lock their hex longer and larger stakes get more shares and the price per share only increases hex aligns incentives. So the more people that participate, the better everyone does.
1: That sounds pretty good. I got to say, I think I'm going to, I mean, if I don't have up. to give him anything, I think I'm going to do this. Just going to exactly. show him I have some Bitcoin and yeah. and uh, Yeah. Exactly. What's the problem?
0: What is all this shit about Hex being a scam? After all, he's giving you free tokens, like Dylan just said. And he's rewarding Bitcoin holders. So you've got nothing to lose. And if it happens to be true, maybe, that Hex is structured primarily to benefit Hart himself by owning the majority of the tokens, it's not like he's taking your money directly. So wherein lies the scam? Well, for one, it sure looks a lot like a scam. Oh. But this is something Hart admits. Oh, in a two thousand nineteen <laughs> in a two thousand nineteen debate with Tom Vase, he says, "Quote: The only way you're going to get more adoption is if someone has the margin to advertise into the public to onboard new users, like the Ponzi schemes are doing. The Ponzi schemes have referral programs. The Ponzi schemes print you interest, and we're doing the same thing." <laughs> oh, at that moment. <laughs> Tone Vase makes a face like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, generally, just like a Ponzi scheme is not good. Kind of, you know, ad copy. Yeah, you want to avoid good that PR. kind of talk.
0: After Richard has his say, Tone Vase has nothing more to say in his follow-up one-minute reply, except to tell the moderator from from Coin Telegraph to please loop Richard Hart saying that Hex is like a Ponzi scheme on their website over and over again. So. Even giving Richard Hart the benefit of the doubt that Hex only looks a lot like a Ponzi scheme but actually isn't, there's also one other little problem with Hex. Earlier I had talked about how you receive Hex by owning Bitcoin, but there's another way the Hex website tells you you can, quote, eliminate the middleman. Users can transform Ethereum directly into Hex. It's
1: definitely not buying Hex with Ethereum, though. You're transforming it. No, it's not that. It's it. transforming
0: and you you mint your own coins. He's very insistent that you are minting your own this coins. Is like not, not, this is like cryptocurrency
1: alchemy. Instead of turning not, lead into gold, you <laughs> turn not, Ethereum into Hex.
0: I, this is not an unregulated security. And Richard Hart isn't doing any, you know, marketing or advertising for it, even though he always wears a shirt with a big hex logo on it everywhere he goes.
1: It's definitely not an unregulated security. There's nothing secure about it. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> so in a really great analysis of Hex on Medium called Under a Hex by a user going by the name Goldman's, uh, Goldman Stats, we're told, quote, I have seen several articles that call Hex a Ponzi or pyramid scheme, both of which it isn't. It has many features of these but is unique in that it has so many moving parts and complexities that these have helped to mask just how unethical a project it is. Even in a sea of ethically dubious projects, Hex stands out as being the most egregious, though perhaps the most clever. Not only will Richard Hart control half of all Hex after the first year, but it is the first token I've seen to have its founder's perpetual self-enrichment baked into the protocol.
1: (laughs) Calling it a Ponzi scheme or a pyramid scheme only masks how unethical it is. That is pretty intense. (laughs) New level of of
0: thought leadership here.
1: Jesus. It's like, look, don't call him a Nazi. That just masks how bad he is.
0: The virtue of Hex's unvirtue is due to these many aforementioned moving parts. One of those moving parts is called the, quote, adoption amplifier. Goldman Stats explains, when it comes to the adoption amplifier... Richard is careful to avoid saying that you are purchasing Hex for Ethereum. As he terms it, you are donating your Ethereum, which is then being transformed into Hex. To cut through the confusion this language might cause, what is actually happening is that the Ethereum is not really being transformed in any meaningful sense. It still exists. It just doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to Richard.
1: (laughs) What you have instead is is, some... That is (laughs) very different than a transformation. (laughs) Look, you're <laughs> not giving me money, you're transforming it into you not having money. That's very different.
0: Yeah, it's like selling stock and it's like no, you're not buying stock, you're transforming that dollar into a sh- into stock shares. Continuing the quote, what you have instead is some token that Richard created and his promise that it will that it will make you massively wealthy. Within the first 24 hours of launch, over 3 million dollars in Ethereum has already been has already been sent to the adoption amplifier. And given that this auction resets itself every, every day for the first 352 days, it seems likely that Richard will make well in excess of $100 million in Ethereum alone. <laughs> and as of writing this podcast outline, the number has increased from 3 million to over 7 million, split up and moved to various Ethereum addresses as can be seen on the Ethereum blockchain itself.
1: Yeah, it's all uncensored.
0: For all of Richard Hart's talk about whale penalties, trustless interest, staking rewards, referral programs, the adoption amplifier, blah, 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 on his official website slash personal referral link, there's not one mention of what's called the origin address. And for good reason. As Goldmanstadt stat says, quote, in addition to the Ethereum he receives through the adoption amplifier. Richard designed Hex to give himself ownership of almost half of the coins through something called the origin address. To even discover it exists, you would need to go to the Hex.win, Richard's official Hex website, click on the tab labeled Tech Specs, and then look under the Code subheading and click on the hyperlink Advanced Analysis of How Hex Works. That will then open a 22-page 22 ba- 22 Google Doc entitled Hex contract in layman's terms. And even if you did all that, you would still need to read up to the bottom of the page 14 of that document to find this.
1: I I don't see what the problem is. I mean, he's (laughs) putting it on his website. You
0: know, he's being very upfront about it. Yeah. (laughs) Goldman then shows the following excerpt, the origin address. The contract specifies an Ethereum address as the origin address. This address is paid Hex by the contract in a few ways. One way, the origin is paid half of all hex reclaimed by penalties, the other half going to the payout pool. The origin is paid a copy of all bonus payments, speed claim bonus, referral bonus, we are all satoshi increments, critical mass virality bonuses. Goldman writes, quote, Even if you were a prospective HEX investor who somehow did all these steps and came across this, would it make sense to you? Even the name origin address sounds benign and boring. Perhaps if it was called the Richard gives himself almost half of all HEX address, it would garner more attention.
1: It would also be totally false as we're about to learn. (laughs) So nearly (laughs) half of all HEX, how does this work?
0: The short answer is that, as stated in the document, the origin address gets a copy of all four types of bonuses. Goldman did the math and found that it would amount to approximately 45% of all hex ever minted. And so who owns the keys to the origin address, as if this question needed to be asked? Well, Cointelegraph put that question to Richard. Quote, whoever holds the keys to the origin address is going to be happy, Hart said with a chuckle. Of course, Richard won't admit he owns the keys to the origin address. If you want to truly torture yourself, I highly recommend watching a hilarious, though agonizingly long 7.5 hour YouTube video in which Tom Vase and a lawyer named Jason Seibert, along with others that pop in and out, grill Richard Hart on Hex and his almost certain ownership of the origin address keys.
1: Look, 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 I'm going I want you to invest in my gold mine, right? This is how it works. You give me money. I give you gold. And for every piece of gold I give you, I'm going to put a piece of gold into the origin bank vault. Right. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know where it is. I don't know who can open it up. It's just there. (laughs) It's a mystery. And whoever owns that bank vault is going to be very happy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, Richard says the burden of proof is on those claiming himself as being the owner of the keys. Now, in a very technical sense, that's true, but the bullshit artistry comes from the fact that it's not unreasonable to assume he owns the keys. Most of the video is comprised of Richard parsing language and using pathological metaphysics to obfuscate the truth of Hex. That is a giant money grab for him. Richard uses the thought experiment of Russell's teapot as an analogy. That is, Bertrand Russell used the claim of a teapot orbiting the sun as an example of an unfalsifiable hypothesis and that the burden of proof is upon anyone making the claim, and that there's no burden on skeptics to disprove it. Again, this is technically correct, though of course the analogy fails because it's highly unreasonable to claim a teapot orbits the sun, while it's highly reasonable to assume Richard Hart owns the private keys for the origin address centered around his own software that he designed.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, he, he I think he's totally right. You know, if we're going to claim... He holds the keys to the origin address. The burden of proof is on us. And the proof is that he made it. And so I think, you know, that there's the evidence. Boom.
0: Well, who knows? Maybe he's just really nice guy and handed it to some hobo. I mean, who knows? It could be anybody, right? Mm -hmm. Who the fuck? Yeah, Richard Hart wants me to
1: believe that the burden of proof is on him.
0: Of course, the thing on everyone's mind is obviously what's going to be done with the millions of dollars of Ethereum. What's the plan What's the roadmap? Because like even these ICOs and these exit scams, at least they have a roadmap for fuck's sake. And Tone Vays asks Richard Hart this very question. Richard Hart says, quote, I'm unaware of any plan. I fully advise you to have absolutely no expectation of any benefit whatsoever in any form from that Ethereum. End quote. And with that, we've come to the end of our Hexit Crypto episode. So, Brent, Dylan, what stuck out most to you? What did you learn today?
2: Oh, well, for me, I l- knew nothing really essentially about Bitcoin. And now I somehow know even less. So, that's <laughs> more impressive to me. Exit is just blown my Wait, mind. Are
0: you telling me that you don't know anything about we are all Satoshi increments or <laughs> <laughs> what else? Adoption yeah, amplifiers? That's what I'm you don't know anything about this stuff.
2: <laughs> I know something about alchemy is true. Oh yeah, now, uh,
1: which is <laughs> Digital alchemy, yeah,
0: alchemy. Alchemy exists. Alchemy oh, wow. exists in crypto. That's one of the things that crypto has brought us. It's made alchemy Finally. possible. You can transform one crypto I into do, another. I,
2: I do enjoy that he said it's a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> like just straight up said it. That no, looks he looks, says
0: it's got it's got oh, features of a yeah. Ponzi scheme, but it's not. Oh one. right, right, right. right. What about you, Dylan. What did what did you learn?
1: I mean, so uh, the, the thing that really stuck out to me is just the idea that calling it a Ponzi or pyramid scheme masks how it's unethical. That's an incredible statement. And I, <laughs> that's definitely the thing that sticks out to me. I remember first reading that and I was like, wow, that is bad. Um, but I think I mean, I think the main thing that sticks out to me is just how effective uh, Technobabble is at getting people to give you money. Uh, Because you could just throw out a bunch of uh, of, you know, uh, you know, fancy sounding science words that ultimately mean nothing when strung together in a particular way. And everyone can pretend they know what it means or kind of be bullied by all these fancy words into thinking that they're dumb if they don't understand what it means. Right. And that's a that's a really effective way to get people to give you their money. And the the thing is, the the software behind
0: Hex seems pretty pretty convoluted and complex but it's just because it's a really convoluted and complex way to just take your money it's not yeah. like it's it's designed to take your money in the most obfuscatory way possible you know it's it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a big smokescreen and that's why that's where the complexity comes from but he uses he leverages the apparent complexity to trick you into thinking that like you said that it's just something very complex and it's for very smart people like him to handle
1: Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, you're buying a product that can only possibly have value if you con other people into also buying it, because then you get all the bonuses and benefits and whatever. um, And then that also just benefits him directly. (laughs) So, Uh,
2: yeah,
0: it's the thing, too, is uh, Richard Hart. One thing that I am wondering about, which is really strange, is for a guy that's supposed to be a multimillionaire or billionaire or whatever that retired so long ago and doesn't need money, he always talks about hey he doesn't need any more money. Why would you do this then? Why, why would you spend all your time creating a self-enrichment vanity project rather than go out and like he talks about, for example, that he's real into like Sens and Aubrey de Grey. Why not send that money down to Uh, sends and do something good with the world. Like, why is it that if you've already, if you already have all that money, why are you wanting to make a shit ton more? I mean, he's already made $7 million more off this.
1: I mean, I think you just answered your own question because Richard Hart doesn't own the origin address. It's Aubrey de Grey. Oh, I think that's the ultimate secret. That's that. That's
0: the ultimate secret. (laughs) It's going to come out. Aubrey de Grey. It all. It all belongs to Aubrey de Grey. Hilarious. All right. And so, with that, we have come to the end of our episode on the Hexit scam or thought leader project, whichever you prefer. (laughs) Do your own research, come to your own conclusions. And we are done. That was fun.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of None Dare Call It Ordinary. If you would also like to hear our weekly bonus episodes, just become a $5 a month patron over at patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary. That is also where you'll find any blog posts, pictures, and news updates to go along with our regular series. And you don't even have to be a patron to get access to all that fun stuff. You can also reach us by email at none dare call it ordinary at gmail.com. Lastly, we ask for you to please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcasts are served.